Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning From Smart People. And I just really wanna, just thank you for tuning in today. And I hope that you have been enjoying the podcast as much as I have. I know that I've been learning throughout this whole, I can't imagine, it's just crazy to me that we're over 60 episodes now. It just, that's phenomenal. And it's really thanks to everybody that's listening and giving positive feedback. That's, that's really about you guys. My guest today is Richard Walsh. He is the best-selling author of Escape the Owner Prison, The Contractor's New Way to Scale, Regain Control, and Fast-Track Growth While Loving Life. He shows business owners how to profitably scale your business without sacrificing income, family life, and freedom to do what you want when you want. Richard, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Great, uh, great, great being on here. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And, and listen, when I was reading about what you're doing, I, that's really what kind of jumped out at me is I feel the pain of the prison of small business ownership, right? Because you, you have this dream of where you want to go and you have this vision of where it's going to be. But, but in order to get there, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And for many small business owners and for many uh, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, the main responsibility of doing everything falls on their shoulders. And that's, I, I think that's exactly what you're looking at, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think also uh, a lot of small businesses keep waiting for that time to happen. You know, they keep waiting for the freedom and the, and the money and the success and everything else. And they, they're kind of stuck in that day-to-day rut. And that's what happens. It never comes. All of a sudden it's five years and 10 years plus plus and, they haven't achieved the dream that they started out to. Yeah. So do you find, do you find that people have kind of the, the vision of why their business exists and kind of the passion behind the business, or do they have this vision of where they want to be financially or, or is it a little bit of both? What do you find with the, the folks that you're working with? I think a lot of them in, uh, you know, in my areas is they, they were technicians, okay, people who can do the work, who feel they can do it better than whoever they were working for. So they started a business because they want to make the money. They want the freedom or whatever they may have seen in that other owner. Um, they just thought they could do everything better, which is great. That's great motivation to get started. But they stop there. And they create a business and they start getting work and start doing jobs. But they're everything from unlocking the door in the morning to locking it at night from installing the job, whether you're a roofer or carpenter or whatever you are, you're doing all the work every day. And then you have to come back in and do the business. And that gets convoluted with trying to just keep up with everything every day. And there's marketing and there's every aspect of business. You didn't realize the other owner that you were saying you're better than were was actually doing so the reality kind of hits you and you get stuck in that day-to-day rut. It's kind of a groundhog day thing. You know, you just keep every day. It's again, just trying to make it the next Friday. And that's what happens. Right. And so you have likened this to, I love the analogy. You call it owner prison. Okay. And I, I guess that's the question that I, that everybody's asking is how do you get owner, out of owner prison? Because like you can't dig an escape hatch and you, or you can't dig an escape tunnel. And it's not that you're, you know, getting a, a, someone to come in and bust you out. What are, do you have like steps or what are your, what's your concept of getting out of owner prison? 
Yeah, what what it is is if you want to boil it down to a I won't call it a cliche, but a saying that you know it's working on your business, not in your business. A lot of us have heard that. Uh, what you really have to do is kind of set. What I begin with is basically I start with an exit strategy. Believe it or not, what you want to start out with is your exit strategy. Okay, okay. and people go, huh? What I mean, I, you got to you got to start with the end in mind. All right, you got to say I'm going to start this business, whatever it is. And in 10 years or whatever the number of 10 years, 15, 20 years, I want X amount of dollars for my business. I want to be able to do this. I want this amount of passive income. I want my life to look like this. I want to achieve these things by then, right? So then what that becomes is your ultimate business filter, right? Every decision you're making in your business has to feed your exit strategy. You know, if you want to work three days a week instead of six, you know, in three or four years or whatever, how do you get there? So we have to lay out a plan, but the initially, initially is really discovering what your exit strategy is, because if you don't have one, you're never getting out, right? If mm-hmm. you get thrown in jail for two years, well, you know, you have, you know, two years till you get out. All right. So you can look forward to two years <laughs> getting out of jail, sure. right? So you got to do the time, but this has to be, and I'm not, I don't want to equate this to prison necessarily because there's a lot of freedom in business, but if you don't have a strategy and where you're going to go, that's where people get stuck and that's why they can't get out. Yeah. But even then, and I know that you don't want to get stuck in this prison analogy, but the concept is if, if you're in for two years, if you, if you put in some excellent behavior and you do some extra work, it's possible for you to get out earlier than your original two-year sentence. And, and and unfortunately, listen, Richard, I live in the world of analogy. I love analogies and, and I get stuck with them, okay? But what you're saying as you were talking about it is kind of the, I liken it to the freedom to get out on the road, right? You were working for somebody else and they were, they were kind of telling you where to go and what to do. And you're like, I want to hit the open road with the freedom that I'm going to be in the driver's seat and I'm in charge of where we're going. But unless you have that roadmap, unless you have a destination in mind, what you talked about, that exit strategy, say, this is where I'm going to end up. You can waste a lot of gas and you can cover a lot of miles, but you're not getting any closer to, to where you want to be just because you're in the driver's seat and you have the freedom and you are actually on the road. D- does that analogy work for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good one. I use the roadmap. I mean, you can start in New York if you want to go to California, but you don't have, you don't know which road to take. Well, you may never get there, you know, or maybe, maybe 10 years from now, and then you're still, you're out of gas and pushing the car. Sure. You know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, it's very important to understand, you know, to say, I want to make lots of money. That's not a goal. Okay. That's, right. that's a dream. That's something you dreamt about last night. You know, wouldn't that be nice? You know, laying on my bed with a pile of money next to me. Okay. That's, that's not based in any kind of reality for a business. Right. You know, so what we want to do is, is really understand where the business is going to go and then how do we get there? So where do I find that map? Okay. You pull in a gas station into a road trip, you can buy a map. Right, or now you do GPS, right? You plug it in. Here's the destination. It's going to tell me where to go. That's easy. It's not so easy to find that from a business standpoint. You know. What? Okay, but just to take that map analogy one step further, and how it applies to business, when you're when you're going down the road, every decision point that you come to, 
right? You're, you're coming to interchange after interchange after interchange on the highway, and everyone gives you an opportunity to change your route. And the question is, does this lead me towards my ultimate destination, or does it not lead me towards my destination? And that, that determines whether or not you take that exit, right? Whether or not you take that turn. And I would imagine that, that it's the same thing, that you're judging every single business decision that you're making with, does this get me towards that exit strategy? Does that get me to where I want to be? That's exactly what it is, Rob. So that's, that's the best way to put it. Okay. You, that's why it's a filter, right? You got, you got to put every decision through that and then say yes or no, you know, cause, cause there's a lot of opportunities business owners get, right? We're entrepreneurs. We call them shiny object syndrome, distractions, investments. I'm air quoting here, investments, you know, where you might want to go, oh, that could be a really good opportunity, but it's not really feeding your exit strategy, right? So it's going to take you off mission. It's going to take funds away and it's going to keep you from staying on the correct roads to get where you want to go. So how do you help people with the idea? Because there's such a differentiation between the technical aspect of what you're doing and the business side of what you're doing. And let's just, you use the analogy of a, of a roofer, or I'm going to pick on you because from you're, you're from Wisconsin or you're from Illinois and Wisconsin, you said a roofer. Okay. Either way, um, you've got this guy, he's great at shingling houses. This is what he is phenomenal at and he can do it like nobody else. And, but that is what percentage would you say that is of having a roofing business? Because the actual application of shingle to roof to me is a, is not, that's not hundred percent of what it means to run a roofing business. Yeah. You would be in the, in the single digit percentage of the importance of that. Okay. So I'll flip it on you. What I, what I always tell guys as a business owner is you want to focus on your 5%. 5% means the only 5% of is the, is the only things you can do. Okay. There's 5% of the business that only you as the owner, the visionary, that guy, the growth guy, who's going to be able to do that. Everything else basically is delegated, right? That's, that's the point you're looking to get to. So the actual application of shingles and you're really good at it, Okay, the guy who's 90% or 95% as good as you are, the homeowner's not going to know the difference. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And, and how do you, and I'm assuming this is what you're doing, how do you help guys to, and you said you work, work mostly with guys, um, but how do you help a business owner to build the business skills when, they are their primary skills were in the technical side of things and i guess by that you know here's my analogy again when you look at say an auto dealership right you've got a salesman and he's a great salesman he's got skills at sales ability but then you promote him to being a manager his skill isn't management his skill is sales and it takes a completely different set of skills to be a manager than it does or he you know he decides he wants to go on his own and open his own car dealership that's a whole different set of skills and a whole different business entity than just being a salesman in the building. Does that ring true to you or how do we do that? Yeah. So what they have to do is re it's a conscious effort. Okay. Because you understand, like we'll stick with roofing just because you can haul two bundles up a ladder and load the roof. Okay. And guys are, you know, cause I'll see guys all the time. And I see, I show my guys, I can still do it. I'm like, yeah, then you take a header off the roof and you're hospitalized for three months. Are your guys going to be impressed? 
because mm. now they don't get to eat. They got to go find work somewhere else. You can't get work done. I go, you don't belong on a roof. Okay, right. Matthew, you should never be on a roof. Yeah. You need to run a business. Okay, so what we do from there is here's the important thing, like in my academy, I teach them, I get them knowledgeable on all levels of business, okay? But I don't make them experts. You don't need to be an expert in every field. You never will be. Okay, so what I want, I want them to be smart enough to know what they're listening to as they look for people to do this work for them. I want them to know enough about marketing that when someone's pitching them for that service, they can know, okay, you're full of it. You sound pretty good. Oh, you're dialed in. Okay. Again, and I do that with every level of business, marketing, sales, all that, because you can't be everything, nor do you want to be, because then you can't really work on the business. So that's how I go about solving that problem is it takes a little bit of time, but let's get some base knowledge on what these aspects are that your business needs to function so you can get the right people to help you. So then the next level, I guess, is you've got, you're teaching people about the actual business side of what they're doing and running a business. And then as they're building their business, how do you help them with um, really standing out from all the, there's a ton of roofers out there. There's a ton of roofers out there, whatever we're calling them today. Uh, but there's a bunch of them out there. How is there a way for them to stand out from the pack and make themselves make, make their business the one that folks are going to go with? Like you talked about, you know, you're bringing in three marketing people and one's full of it and one's pretty good and one's spot on. How do you, how do you make sure that you're the guy that it, they're saying he is spot on? That's the guy I want. Right. So what we do is and just like I have an ebook called Build Value, Build Profit. OK, I focus a lot of attention on value, bringing value to the customer. That's a differentiator. Right. High value. You know, you're, you're giving them content. You're doing above and beyond all the time. You know, in my in my one of my former businesses, no one ever said they paid too much for my work. They all said they didn't pay enough. Okay, nice. so that's that's living. And I did high end stuff. Okay. I wasn't charging a little bit of money. <laughs> okay, so they still felt like they got a great deal for what they got. When you build your business with that attitude, that's just one of the things you can do. That value now precedes you, and people that gains an expectation, and it's it changes every aspect of your business when you approach a client someone comes to you or wherever, wherever the process is, but that's really how you do it. That's one of the ways is to build extreme value. That's what separates you from the average guy who doesn't clean up well after the job, isn't safe, isn't tied on, you know, doesn't call you back, takes the money and you don't hear from him for a month and he shows up one day and just starts tearing your roof off. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different examples you can use, but that's one of them. Got it. Or, um, I remember when I was growing up, we had the roofer that came and um, we only needed him to do part of the roof and he covered it in shingles that didn't match the rest of the house. And yeah, I, it was a, a ongoing issue. So I love it. So as you're, as you're building the business, what I'm hearing, the word that you talked about was delegating and being able to find out what is it that I am I'm the only guy that I'm the only girl. I'm, I'm the only one in my business that can do this and I need to give the rest of it to other people and have them do it. Um, how do you, like, how do you build that awareness? And do you have any tips for 
smaller business owners that are like, yeah, Richard, that's a really great idea and I would love to do that, but I'm not there today. I don't have the money to hire a bunch of other people to do this stuff. Do you have some ideas for them? Yeah, so there's two two things. First, so there's there's automate, delegate, eliminate. Okay, you think of those three things. Can they automate the process? Can I delegate it to someone else if I can't just automate it? Or can I eliminate it? Can I get rid of it altogether? Okay, there's a lot of things you can actually eliminate. Okay, so as that one guy, two guys, that small company, you have to start thinking this way. All right, you, because everyone says they can't afford something. It's a, that's just a, everyone's going to say that, right? Right. Now, you know that you, me, everyone who's listening to this has bought something they can't afford. True. Right? So, I mean, it's, you know, when you prioritize something, you'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, you want to go I, somewhere. Usually I leave the buying stuff that I can't afford to my wife, but I have done it occasionally. <laughs> right. right. So, but we all know, right? So, so when it comes down to your business, you need to focus on those aspects, automate, delegate, or eliminate. That's how you start to reach and get into the position where you can now get the people or the systems to enable you to start doing this. It's a process that takes a little longer. And the problem with the technician kind of one man show guy who started is he doesn't see profitability in that effort. Right. You go and you put you you do a roof, you build a house, you go and you physically do it. There's there's. Um, there's reward, right? End of the day, you finish, you physically can see something tangible, you got paid for. You know, I use another analogy, I'll compare chess and checkers. Going and building the actual house yourself is playing checkers. Okay, you're jumping people, you're getting kinged and all that's cool. Game's over in 10 minutes. Right. All right, chess can go on for hours, right? You're looking five moves ahead, you're making plans, so there's a difference in the game right there. Yeah, it makes, it does make so much sense. And the more that you are delegating or automating or eliminating, um, the, the more you're going to kind of free your time up and free yourself up. That, it just makes sense. I, I, mean, I have to tell you this. When I was a kid, they used to play a game, and uh, I, don't, I don't remember the exact phrases with it, but they would, you would, like as a guy, you would pick three girls, and you had to um, marry one, you had to just be friends with one, and you had to, um, like, drop one from your life forever. Okay. And it sounds to me like that's what you're doing in business. The concepts that you have, that you've, you've got one that you're one that you're just putting on autopilot, one that you are giving to someone else to make sure that it gets done. And another one that you're saying that this is not actually part of our business. And, and in eliminating areas of your business, um, how do you kind of guide people to find their niche, find their specific area and say, this is what we do. And this is where we operate really well, as opposed to um, opening up new markets and new areas for them to work in. Yeah, it's very important to understand specialization. Right. So I always give this analogy to I, I, I go, you know, I drive by a truck, a van, and it's got the company name and kind of what they do. And then it says specializing in. And there's like 12 things. Okay. All right. You're not a specialist in 12 things. Right. Right. So what you need to do is, again, it's part of book work too. You're finding what's your most profitable avenue, right? Let's say you're a furnace guy. You're a heating HVAC guy. Installing furnaces is your big money maker when you do that, right? And I have a great picture. I pulled up behind a truck and I'm always taking pictures of trucks and vans. And on the back of the truck, big roll-up door, he just had a furnace 
and and it said as low as fifty nine dollars a month. Okay. okay, done. I loved it. Right. No confusion. We do furnaces fifty nine bucks a month. If you need a new furnace, you're calling that guy. Yeah. Right. So that's that. That's my example. They didn't say, and we do, you know, heating and ductwork and plumbing, and we'll unplug the toilet, and we'll, you know, they're not giving you all that stuff because you're not going to read that in the back of a truck in three seconds, anyways. Yeah. What well, it's interesting that you say that because um, here in Pittsburgh we actually have a company, and they they specialize. They have what that I would call like foot in the door specials or foot in the door specialization where, you know, we'll come in and their gig is literally, we will install 10 plugs in your house for $99. Right. Um, but when they do that, then they come in and they're like, Oh, your wiring's not right. Your, um, and that's where you get the experience of what you were talking about before they come in and they're full of it. And they're not actually specializing in plug, you know, plug replacement. They're specializing in figuring out how to upcharge you for whatever it is that they can use to get their foot in the door. How do you help people to make sure that they are coming off as a specialist, coming off as someone who is specialized in the service and not coming off as a scammer or a ripoff artist that is only, you know, let me just, to use the car analogy, where the car sales, you know, the the car dealership will put an ad in the paper that says, come in and you can get this car for $99 a month. Well, you have to be active duty military, just graduated from college with, you know, just there's a whole list of things that you need to have. And we only have actually one car that's like this and we sold it two weeks ago, but they're, you know, do you understand what I mean? Oh, exactly. And don't forget the 800 credit rating too. Yes. I have that. <laughs> no, I do. So, what you have to do from an ethics standpoint, and that's what you're talking about here, basically, right? I get lead magnets, okay? That 10 plugs is a lead magnet, okay? That gets you to pick up a phone. There's nothing wrong with that, all right? As long as it's legit and they're not doing the, you know, oh, you need new wiring and this and this. Because, again, I want to I wanna uncloud people's judgment, right? A confused mind does nothing. So if they see too many things, they're not going to do anything. Right. So if you get them in, it's great to have upgrades and you get in you. And that's when you observe. Right. You don't know what's going on in the house till you get inside. But how do you get inside? Right. You know, if the 10 plugs get you, they're good. But have a real system that's legit. Okay. If you're an electrician, there's, you know, 17 other things electrical in the home that can be addressed. Sure. You could give them a free inspection. OK. You know, so, hey, this is just part of what we do. I'm going to give you a full write-up and look at it. I'm going to test everything and do all that. That's part of that's part of our service with the $99. Right. Then, then you can address it. And that's being very ethical, very legitimate. You know, and if you do it right, you'll probably get the upsales, some portion of those upsales at least. Yeah, and and I will say the company that I referenced here actually was, um, was cited and was taken to court for unethical business practices because – they every single plug you know plug deal that they did they tried to upsell people and it was it was not done properly but what you're talking about is not not to put out something that is taking designed to take advantage of people but to offer a service that is a fair service that is a valuable service and then to be able to as you do a good job with that to let people know we also do this and there's 
there are other things I can help you with and to build business. I, do you have any examples? Just real quick, most of the examples that you're giving us are folks in the service industry, in the trade industry, and, and that's really what your specialty is. Do you have any suggestions for people who might be in other industries? Um, you know, Absolutely. So it's, and business is business. That's the easiest way to say it, right? So we're all, we all should be based on a, let's call it a moral code, right? An ethical code when we conduct business. So it doesn't matter if you're doing outlets, you're doing shingles, or if you're selling a, a software program. Okay, if you've got a software program and you want you know, your business to business, that's great. You still have to get past the gatekeeper. You've got to get to the, the decision maker. Now you've got to get in. Now what do you do? Okay. You, again, most people should have upsells, okay, from a business standpoint. You can't be a one and done. Okay. One and dones don't last. Right. Okay. You've got to, you've got to continue the service. You've got to build a relationship. So any business is about relationships, right? So that's what you've got to really understand. I call it LPV, lifetime profitable value. So let's go to the car dealer. Okay. I'll give you my personal example. I have six kids, my wife. We had to get rid of the suburban, right? You got eight of us in there. We're maxed out in the suburban. We can't take any friends. Okay. All right. So let's go buy a van. So we go to the Ford dealer, kind of find this Ford Transit 15 person van. It'll be great. Every kid can have a friend. It's going to be nice. All right. So they, we go through the whole deal. We drop the money. We buy it. We get out of there. Never hear from the dealer again. Not an email, nothing. Right. Now, now think about this. So there's my wife and I, two car family minimum, six children growing up, now all teenagers. Buy a new car every three years, okay? What's my lifetime problem over the next 30 years, me and my family, you're talking eight people buying cars from that Ford dealership. Mm. You're talking seven figures. Sure. Right? For that, for that dealership, if they just like maintain a relationship. But right. they just, you know, hustle, get you in and kick you to the curb. Is that how you want to build a business? Now, I know another dealership, 60 years been in business. I know a salesman there. He's been there for 38 years. Right. Okay. All his customers are repeat. Yeah. He just makes phone calls. I mean, he literally just, you know, he's got he's so many. It's that That's the difference, right? Sure. It's building that lifetime profitable value and understanding the relationship you're going to create with your customers. Yeah. And that's it's interesting that you say that we actually... Uh, one of the very first episodes that I did here was with a guy named Ron Swagger, who is a, he was a general manager at a car. He's, he was a sales manager at a car dealership since that episode. And I like to think, of course, strictly based on all of the good publicity that he got from being on learning from smart people. He's been, uh, he's been promoted to be the general manager of the dealership. And it's that idea of providing a value for people. And as you do that, you build relationships. And as you're saying, when, as you build relationships, those are going to be, it's not just a one and done. You're not selling a car today, but you're building a customer for life and they're going to keep coming back to you and coming back to you. Fantastic. And listen, Richard, you have been absolutely phenomenal. If people are looking to get a hold of you, what's your website? Where, like, where can they find your books? What's the easiest way to find you? Of course, there's Escape the Owner Prison. So escapetheownerprison.com. They can find that's probably the easiest thing. I do the ETOP podcast as well, E-T-O-P, ETOP podcast. And uh, I think I think I gave you a link if you want to get my free ebook. I have a Build Value, Build Profits ebook. If you throw that in your show notes, they can get that, that ebook. Yes. It'd be awesome. Yeah, no problem, man. I'd love to. And I appreciate you offering that to the listeners. And I'd encourage everybody to go ahead and take advantage of that um, free ebook that Richard is providing. Uh, Richard, listen. We are now at my favorite part of the show, 
you have definitely shown that you are smart. I have learned from you. It's time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this, my friend? I am ready. Humanity is something I've been working on, so I'm ready. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, if you could have any exotic animal as a pet, what animal would you pick? I think, I think I have to go with a monkey. I'm just a monkey guy. They're going to have to get me a monkey. Nice. You know, it's on a side note, I always thought that as well. And listen, I've got a spinal cord injury, right? I, I broke my neck when I was 21. And immediately after that, I remember thinking, like, I read this article about helping hands monkeys and how there were monkeys that, you know, they could pick stuff up for you. They could help you with all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, this is the perfect reason for me to get a monkey. And I... I had them look into it and I found out, unfortunately, that the helping hands monkeys, they, they're not real good with children and they don't like other people very well. They actually have to pull all of the monkey's teeth so that it doesn't bite anybody. And then they have to feed them like mushed up food. And, and I'm like, no, I'm okay. I, I, will, I will save the monkey. It won't have to go through the, uh, the difficult experience uh, of having all of its teeth pulled and Get the service dog instead. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, I had I had three kids instead, and they're far more costly than a service dog, but um, every bit is cute. Uh, so what is the best or worst career advice that you've ever received? For me, as an entrepreneur, was get a job. It's consistent pay. It's every week. It's dependable. Okay, which to me is the biggest lie in the world. Okay, as an entrepreneur, because they could fire me tomorrow. So that was that was bad advice. I'm glad I didn't take it. Nice. I, it makes perfect sense. It, um, you know, dip, 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 dip. Sean and I get a job. Uh, I hear that all the time. All right. So you are out in the Midwest. You have the uh, experience of being from Illinois. You are in Wisconsin. Uh, what is if you're going back to to Illinois and, and that area, what is the one dish that you are looking for, the one food item that you're saying, when I get back to Illinois, this is what I need to eat because you can't get a good version of this anywhere else in the world? Uh, Lou Malnati's pizza, the deep dish pizza, Lou Malnati's. That's mm -hmm. it. First bite of the first piece, one of life's simple pleasures. Excellent. So what do, you, what do you get on your deep dish? Cheese. Don't don't mess that thing up with if, if it can't stand alone. Okay, if you can't get them a nice cheese, if it can't stand alone, I don't need perfume on my pizza. I don't need all that nonsense. Give me the cheese. Put, put, then we can talk about add-ons later. But okay. I, I'm a, a connoisseur's got to start with the basics. Well, if you if you can't do it right just by itself, then throwing enough stuff on it isn't going to doctor it up any better. Hey, listen, Richard. Thank you so much for being on today. This has been an absolute pleasure. You've got shared a lot of great information. Folks, go check him out and get his book. Check out his website. I, I appreciate everyone listening today. This has been Learning from Smart People. I'm Rob Oliver. I'd encourage you to follow us on social media. Check out the website. And really cool, we made a new update to the website so that when you go and you listen to the podcast on the website, right below that, there is a list of everywhere that you can listen to this and everywhere that you can scribe, subscribe to it. I'd encourage you to go ahead and subscribe, and that way you won't always have to go to the website. The podcast will actually come to you. Again, 
have a wonderful day and I will remind you as always, when you stop learning, you stop living. Take care everybody.